Your job as a leader is to create a place that's a giant magnet that they want to be a part of. You have to stand for something so they can see themselves in that light. Welcome to the I Make a Living podcast brought to you by FreshBooks. If you are an entrepreneur, freelancer, side hustler, big thinker, or just a straight up dreamer, then this is your show. Today's episode is inspired by this question from a listener. Hey, Demona, I'm a queer BIPOC entrepreneur, and I have trouble finding friends and mentors with my same experiences. Where do you go to get the resources you need? Community is a big part of entrepreneurship, and it's important to find a group of people you can learn from and lean on. That's why we're talking to Carl Smith from Bureau of Digital, a community of digital professionals who gather together to share experiences, lean on each other to solve difficult problems, and network for big opportunities. Every year, the Bureau hosts events for over 8,000 members, including a diverse group of business and product owners, design leaders, project managers, operators, and more. Before his work at the Bureau, Carl ran his own successful digital agency for 12 years. But he realized his true passion lies in helping other leaders become better leaders. And we have his 11-year-old daughter to thank for that. I was running a digital studio. We call them web shops. If, if you were a craftsperson, you called it a web shop. And then when you're a business person, you call it a digital agency. And it's all this kind of like fun little rigmarole. But um, my youngest daughter was about 11 and she came out and asked me how I wanted to be remembered. And I told her, I said, well, you know, I, I want to be a nice guy who was successful. And she goes, no, no, no. When you are not here, when you're dead. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she goes, how do you want people to know you were here? And I said, you know, by the number of people that I helped. And she was a kid of a, of a web shop owner. And she goes, well, how do you measure that? Because what gets measured gets done. And I'm like, don't quote me to me. Um, <laughs> and, and I said, well, I'll, I'll keep track of the number of people I help. And then she's like, well, how does that scale? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Eleven, you are killing me. Um, <laughs> and I said, OK, how about this? I won't help anybody. I'll find a way to get people to help each other. Now, at that time, I had gone to the first Bureau of Digital event, uh, which was about 24 shop owners getting together to just share what was working and what wasn't working. And we fell in love with each other. And uh, we created our mission was to provide a community to people who don't have one in the digital space. And the way that that works is if you are a leader, if you are in charge of helping other humans, you probably didn't go to school for that. So we're going to put you in touch with other humans who do what you do, who get it, and then we're going to help you get the support that you need. Wow. That is really profound. So much that you said there. First of all, from the mouths of babes, what kind of books were you reading to your child? Like, where did she get the gumption to ask you how you want to be remembered? That's intense. You know, she fell in love with uh, rock and roll and punk um, fashion. And so I hooked her up with Wikipedia to read about Generation X or David Bowie or, you know, Billy Idol or whatever. And, and that same day, she asked me if there was a, a female Billy Idol. And I said, let me show you Joan Jett, sweetheart. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of these things. When she started reading about that, I think a lot of those Wikipedia pages talked about how they'll be remembered. The other thing was she was a, a budding entrepreneur. You know, and I was watching her. I was like, this brain is amazing. So part of it, where all that came from was she wanted to launch a store for cats, 
where basically they can buy cat supplies, like toys. And she told me, she goes, dad, the cool thing about cat toys is cats will play with a piece of string. It's not going to cost anything. And so she was so excited. And so I, we sat down and we did wireframes and we talked to her about how we were going to measure success and we got into it. And then I talked about how it could scale. But as many 11-year-olds do, she later shifted focus and decided to become a fashion designer. So it like wow. lost face, but she never, she held on to those things. It's a Gen Z world and we're just living in it. As a mother, I can relate to this story so much. And it's not just because my 10-year-old is going through a similar phase where she very closely examines everything I say. Seriously, we call her Esquire. And I'm pretty sure if she had to, she could pass the bar exam tomorrow. Parents often talk about how we're inspired to create a world where our kids can flourish and grow someday. We don't talk enough about the fact that the work starts now. We need to create a culture where we can flourish and grow ourselves. I can see that the seeds of what you're doing at Bureau of Digital really being sown there around the the living room table, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. And I'm hearing themes of diversity and inclusion. You really rose to the occasion when she asked you if there was a female version of Billy Idol. <laughs> it was about creating an inclusive space where she could see herself reflected, right? Can you talk to me about how that shows up in your work now and that shows up in the offerings that the Bureau of Digital has? Oh, absolutely. And we always thought at the community, like we knew we had a gender diversity issue when we started. And that 2012 was when everything got started. And of those 24, there were probably about five women at the table. There was one person of color. But in 2012, as a, a well-intentioned white person, I had no clue I was looking around the table and I didn't think anything of it because I think this was, this is how the industry is, right? Oh, this is just reflective of the makeup of the community or whatever I was telling myself, right? If I was even asking, I probably wasn't even asking. So as we went on, I started realizing that the gender diversity was a big issue because what I noticed was women owners would go to our operations events. They would not go to our owner events. And so I asked them, I was like, why is that? And they said, well, Operations things are going to be more accepting because we're not talking about alpha. We're not talking about being owners. We're not talking about running something. Fast forward to an event we had, Margaret Lee, who was the woman who took over Google Maps for about 10 years. She was at one of our events, but Margaret, who is BIPOC, she sat me down and she said, women need this event. You need to put on a women's leadership camp. And I said, yes, ma'am, Miss Margaret Lee, I, we will do that. And so we did. And, uh, the first one was really great. I, I've been told I wasn't allowed to go, right? For obvious reasons. One man in the room was going to impact that event. The interesting thing was, again, the BIPOC, right? It, it was a very uh, white event. And one of the women who was in there came up to me afterwards and she goes, hey, white women's leadership camp is going great. And I went, yeah. And she goes, it's going to be work, Carl. You're going to have to work all the time. If you really want this to be a thing, you've got to work on it. And if you don't, then just stop. Just stop acting like it. So later we got introduced to this group up in New York called Project Inkblot, Jahan and Boywin. Um, and they sat me down and um, started helping me learn. But, but I think the most important thing and what I'm most excited about is we have a new fund called the Beyond Diversity Fund. And one of the things that I've learned is that it is not about economic need. Like saying that we have a DEI scholarship or a DEI you know, financial aid, yeah, some people are going to need that. Or maybe 
they don't want to take the risk on an expensive ticket to find out that they feel isolated. So maybe it's lowering that, that sense of risk. But the biggest thing we can do along with that is to start investing in BIPOC events. So I'm looking for these non-white tech events that I can sponsor and support so that we can get in front of people who aren't us and say, hey, we just want to let you know we're here. The biggest lesson I learned from Project Inkblot is when there are people who can do it correctly because they've lived it, I need to get the hell out of the way. That's profound. And I imagine for some of the entrepreneurs and leaders and owners who are listening, who might be similar, I'm going to use your own words, <laughs> well-intentioned white people who might be listening and thinking, I'm doing the work. Wait a minute, I'm doing the work. What do you feel like, first of all, when you were told, no, 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 this isn't the way to go about it. And what you said about the white women's leadership conference, it does resonate for me as somebody who's walked in many of those spaces and often feels othered. So how did that land to you? Because obviously it did take somebody who is in that space, somebody who lives that and breathes that every day for them to say, you're not doing this the right way. I imagine some people would have a hard time hearing that when they feel like they're doing everything they can do. Oh my goodness. I, I was raised by Mississippi liberals. Okay. So my parents considered themselves amazingly open and non-racist and all these things. But I also know my, my grandfather was in the Klan. So mm. it's like, I start to learn these things later. But the thing I'll say about Jahan and Boywin, when they talked to me, they knew I was fragile, right? They knew that I thought I was doing all these great things. And I think what they told me that was the most amazing uh, thing was that I wasn't going to solve hundreds of years of systemic racism in two days at an event. And it was really wonderful that I wanted to but that that wasn't a thing that was going to happen and it was going to smell horrible to anybody who understood what was happening. And so it, it did take me a few days, honestly, to process it. But I knew that they were coming from a great place. I mean, I had hired them as coaches. I had hired them to teach me. And so I knew going in that it wasn't just going to be about that word is a bad word or don't. Uh, phrase something this way or think about this image, I had to reprogram everything about the way I thought I was helping. And I'll be honest, I'm still not there. You know, it's like there are times where it might be 11 o'clock on a Saturday night and I have this amazing idea that I think is going to change so many things. And then I don't do a damn thing with it until I get a chance to talk with them. Probably wise, right? Because we do need to approach these really big problems and questions from a place of listening and, you know, trying to understand rather than just doing and, you know, trying to do it the right way and be right about it all the time, right? We are all looking for connection and safe spaces, especially after last year. We love Joan Jett and all, but as a business owner, you do need to give at least a little bit of a damn about your reputation. What's so inspiring about Carl is that his reputation precedes him. Even before I met Carl, I was told that he is very passionate about creating a welcoming space for all entrepreneurs of every background. And to me, that is so rock and roll. Creating that welcoming atmosphere is so important, especially to subscription-based businesses. 
this might come as a surprise, but according to a subscription impact report published by Business Wire, subscription-based businesses were much less affected by the economic downturn last year. In fact, 18% actually experienced an acceleration in subscription-based income. Here's how the Bureau kept their subscription rates going strong. Well, first of all, I'll say that finding community in a different way saved the Bureau. Uh, I mean, like, like we'd still be here, but in April, uh, we had never really focused on membership. And we had some members put up videos to talk about how much the Bureau meant to them and why. We had about 20 videos total that got created and put up. Um, and membership started to grow. It's actually uh, 750% growth from the beginning of 2020 till now in terms of the number of members. Wow. We have uh, 560-ish members right now. And the reason is in that Slack channel, every day, somebody is asking a question. And it's important to, to say that when I took over, I understood that it wasn't just owners that didn't have community, right? It was creative directors. It was digital project managers. It was operations folks. It was design leaders. It was anybody who was in a leadership role that had not planned to be in a leadership role. They felt isolated and alone. So, so this community is much bigger than just owners, but owners are kind of the beginning of it and a big focal point. So to your question, in that Slack channel, people are asking about the second round of PPP. They're asking about utilization rates dropping because now that their team is remote, they're struggling to hire people. And, and the thing is, it's um, this newsletter that we've got has uh, about 5,000 people that are in it. And um, what I do is I, I look in the conversations in the Slack channels, things that people have asked me directly, topics that come up at events that we're doing, and that becomes the source of the newsletter. So at the beginning of the year, it was like, things are back, work is coming back. How are we going to get it all done? And then it became, we've got more work than we have team. So we're going through hiring. How do we make sure that we look right? Then it was like, nobody's taking my jobs that I'm offering. And I heard back from the people who weren't taking the jobs. And they said, I don't want to start a leadership role during a pandemic where I can't meet the team. And stuff's pretty good right now. I'm getting paid a lot for contracting. So I'm not sure why I would take a full-time gig. So, so it's one of these things where now everybody's talking about onboarding. Everybody's talking about their compensation packages. They're talking about how do we become a better place to work so that we can attract the people that we need because the work is here. I can relate to that conundrum. It is a different process, certainly. Hiring completely virtually and coming out of a pandemic. Let's talk about leadership in general. You talked at the beginning about how a lot of people that are in leadership positions right now were never trained for it. What do you feel like the key elements of leadership are that we are not getting taught that you wish people could embrace or would make their lives as a leader more livable if they knew? You know, I would say the the number one thing, and, and I think this is a, I'll call it the human condition for myself. I'll call it imposter syndrome for others, right? But I, I think what it is, is this fear that we don't know and somebody's going to find us out. And so as a leader, we're terrified to ask for help. We're terrified to ask questions. We're terrified to say we don't know, right? One of the jokes at, at the owner summit that we had recently was we need a t-shirt that says, I don't know yet, right? Because it's like, we're going to find out, we're going to work hard. But I think also 
especially if, if you look at a, a web shop, a, a 20 to 50 people, whatever, I think one of the big things of leadership is to realize your job is not to contain a team with a giant you know, electrical fence where they're, they can't get out and they're not allowed to leave. Your job as a leader is to create a place that's a giant magnet that they want to be a part of. You have to stand for something so they can see themselves in that light. And you also have to realize they're going to go someday. They're going to go somewhere else. And I always consider my job as a leader was to make sure they left for a good reason. And I would talk to everybody on their first day of work. I would say, hey, I know we've barely talked because we would have the team interview to hire people for the team. Like they're going to have to work with them, not me, right? So one of the things that was most important to me was I told them, I was like, if you ever have another job offer, let me know about it. It could be that we need to improve what we're doing here, or it could be that that's a great offer and it's never going to be who we are. And I will write you the best letter of recommendation. I will do everything I can to help you get that gig, but just make me part of the conversation. I, and you know what? Don't hesitate to talk to your team members about it too. It's like, if this is truly going to be an open space, if this is really going to be a place where we can be ourselves, then you have to be open to that. And if you're not open to it, that's totally cool. But talk to a teammate, talk to somebody just to make sure that it is the right thing. And during the time when I was running my shop, it was probably a half dozen times where I told somebody, take that job, take it. I wish I could take it. I'm stuck <laughs> with this thing, you know, but, um, but that's what I would say is as an owner, be okay with not knowing, be okay with asking for help as a leader. And, and also be open with your team and share with them the things that you hope they'll share with you. When I first launched my business, I was dancing with myself for a heck of a long time little Billy Idol reference there for you. As my company grew and more people joined in, I suddenly was inundated with more and more decisions to make every day. Sometimes as leaders, it's hard to know what you should be involved with and what you should delegate. But then you add a whole pandemic into the mix and suddenly the decision fatigue is suffocating. We don't know where we are in the pandemic. I want to believe that Biden and Harris and, and the new administration is on task. But I also live in Florida, so I know what my government's like. I don't know, you know, when it's going to be okay to travel, when it's going to be okay to do these things, when it's going to be okay to go back into an office, right? I think the fatigue is real. I think also, um, and this to me is the biggest part of leadership, have a lot of weather reports with the team and just say, we don't know what the weather is going to be, but this is what we think it's going to be. So this is what we're doing to get prepared that becomes the biggest part of leading through a pandemic is making sure everybody knows that you are still guiding the ship, but you may make a lot of turns left and right, and they are more than welcome to ask all the questions they want. So do you think in the midst of the pandemic or coming out of the pandemic that owners should be involved in more of the micro decisions, or is it just something like out of a necessity for a lot of people having to you know, contract teams financially, that that is just the nature of the beast. I, I think they need to be more aware of the micro decisions that are getting made and be able to participate. But I think micromanaging is never going to be a positive in my opinion. But I'll also say, and this is a, a good friend of mine always says, your mileage may vary because all of us have different contexts. All of us have different goals, different missions. But I think every organization has a responsibility 
to give people what they need to do their job correctly. And that could mean having a stance on something like Trayvon Martin, right? Or, or having a stance on something that normally you would not see as the, the responsibility of an organization because otherwise those people can't feel like they're in the right place. Mm, wow. You brought it back full circle here. So let's look to the future and looking at what's next for you and for the Bureau of Digital. I know your newsletter is very robust and growing. I know also that for many years, the in-person events were a core part of the Bureau. We don't know. Mileage may vary. But what do you think will be next for you? And when do you envision being able to return to the previous model? Or do you feel like the new normal is the normal now and that this is more the way that you see yourself operating in the future? I'll say that uh, I've heard this from a few different people. I don't know who to give credit to, but don't waste a perfectly good pandemic. And I think that's exactly what happened for us. We didn't know as, I mean, I started as an attendee and then I took over to grab the reins of the organization. I hesitate to ever say that I'm in charge of anything. You'll notice this if we hang out more. But I, I think what I've learned is that the Bureau was never about hanging out in Belize or- Wait, you guys went to Belize? Did oh, you go yeah, to Belize? We did. We okay, rented wait, a private when can island. I sign up? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> we had a private island. It was amazing. Um, but all of these things, uh, while they are part of the story and part of the lore, that's not what it is. It is truly having somebody to talk to. It is when you're in a meeting with your team and they say, hey, could you ask your bureau friends what they would do here? Because we think there are other options. And that happens. So it's really... It's, it's about being able to reach out online. It, we have these spontaneous events online where all of this conversation around utilization rates and how do we make sure we're maximizing the value of the people but not hurting them from a burnout perspective. They, they said, Carl, can we have an event? So this Friday at two, we have a spontaneous event, utilization show and tell, where everybody's going to explain what they're doing and how it's working, right? The in-person events are amazing, but also so much money ends up going on a $15 Budweiser really? You know, the venues, the, the hotels, all of this kind of stuff, take the money from our community, it passes through us, and then goes over there. And it, it just, it's not as great. There are times we're going to get together in person because nothing replaces two humans seeing each other and feeling the presence of each other. That's just, that's just real, right? So I think for us, we're not even going to think about in-person events until 2022. And I've told the community that because they all are thinking November, December, hey, let's meet up and do this. And I'm like, you know what? It's not about the vaccine being available. It's about people having taken the vaccine. It's about you being comfortable getting on a plane with people who didn't take the vaccine. There's like so much more about this. And this is working. The other thing is we are going to have an online equivalent for every in-person event. We have expanded our reach so much to people who could not afford and who we could not afford to bring to these in-person events. And that has been one of my favorite uh, things that I've seen is that I've met so many new people who just either physically or financially, or because it felt like the bar was too high, like they weren't willing to take the risk, they can meet us online. And I will say this, our online events are fabulous, right? We have people that have so much fun. We are not sitting there talking. We, we end almost every event with a dance party, all right? Yeah. You want to see this guy dance? 
you buy a ticket. That's how that works. I think when we come through this, we are going to take just a home of all the stuff that wasn't working and just brush it through. And we're just going to keep everything that worked well in the pandemic and everything that worked well before. And that's what the Bureau becomes. Awesome. Well, I look forward to having a dance party, maybe in Belize, maybe online sometime soon. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, thank you, Demona. I am dreaming of anywhere but here, especially if it has cocktails and white sandy beaches. Here are a few more things that we learned from Carl today. You set the tone for your company culture. Figure out what works for you and your team. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution. The kids are the future, but you're living in the now. Find a safe space and community, and if you don't see one around you yet, create it yourself. It's okay to ask for help as a leader. If you always know the answers, you'll close yourself off to the possibility of learning something new. Create equity at your company and a space for voices and experiences that are different from yours. Later this week, we'll release a short mini-sode on Carl's top tips on how to build a community around your business. Bonus points if it makes a profit. This season, tune in every Thursday for our Nerdisode series. We call them Nerdisodes because we are nerding out on one specific area of business inspired by that week's guest. Find out more from Carl and the Bureau of Digital at bureauofdigital.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the newsletter. They send weekly insights, tactics, and resources shared by the community and across the industry. Plus, you'll get access to your free copy of the 2021 Digital Services Outlook Report. The I Make a Living podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. Balancing your books, client relationships, and businesses isn't easy, but FreshBooks gives you the info and the time you need to focus on your big picture, your business, team, and clients. Right now, you can go to freshbooks.com slash podcast and take advantage of an exclusive offer that's just for you, our listeners. And while you're at it, check out the resources made available to you through our show notes. Our executive producer is Francisco Erzmendi. Editorial and content producer is Leo Shell Villanueva. Our audio engineer and composer is James Morris. And I am Demona Hoffman, producer and host. Follow me at Demona Hoffman and FreshBooks at FreshBooks on all of the social platforms for more tips, tools, and resources. And send us your questions for a future episode because it's your business. We'll see you on Thursday with Carl's Nerdisode.